Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit, charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling. Let's get started. Today's guest, Brian Flynn, is an award-winning advertising copywriter who grew up in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. After graduating from university, he moved to New York City where his non-creative job at the time led him to stand-up comedy. He won the funniest person in advertising stand-up comedy contest, so many words, which helped him land a job at one of the best agencies in the world. Brian is living the dream in a non-traditional career, in my opinion, and I'm thrilled to share his story. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amber. Great to be here. So are you still in New York City? Yeah, I live right in the heart of Midtown. I'm on 56th Street and 6th Avenue, about three blocks from Central Park. Oh, that's nice. That's a great yeah, area. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I start most episodes with, let's talk about your diagnosis story, because you've had diabetes about as long as I have, but a different yeah. path. Yeah, I was a senior in college, and I thought I had discovered this great diet, drink Coca-Cola and lose 20 pounds in a week. And I just remember, like, I had a cold that felt like I couldn't shake it. And I went, to, I was trying, I was so tired all the time. And I went to the gym and I got on the scale. I'm like, oh my God, I lost, I literally lost like 25 pounds. My clothes were falling off. And so my friend's like, you're going to the doctor. Somebody had diabetes here. They graduated like two years ago and it looks like the same. And I remember we had a, the dorm was very small. We had communal bathrooms. And so whenever I'd go in the bathroom and use the urinal, I'd hear somebody in the stall say, Brian, is that you? Because I was there being for all like the time, five yeah. minutes, you know? And so that I went to the doctor and I heard the doctor screaming at the nurse, you're supposed to ask the pa patients if they have a history of diabetes in their family. And I was like, well, guess what I got? And then I went to the, the library and I'm like, diabetes, what is that? And I see diabetes is an uncurable disease. I'm like, say what now? And <laughs> I had no idea what it was, but then, you know, quickly caught on. So. Okay. Let me say, and that's one of the questions and we'll get into what you currently do, but Upon diagnosis, do you feel like, and I would can speak to you, I feel like on this, do you feel like you received proper education as to how to manage your disease? Not at the time. I, I you know, we didn't know, in my family, we didn't know anything about it. I went to my family doctor who was an allergist and he thought he could reverse it somehow. Right. And that didn't work. And then I got a job like in three months after my diagnosis in the city and my my mother found a doctor that was an endocrinologist specialist who was about three blocks from where I worked. And right. so she, she helped me out a lot. Now, that's an interesting story. She had this beautiful office overlooking Central Park South. And in her office were all these other doctors. And she'd be like, you got to go see this doctor and you got to go see this doctor. And, you know, at first, I didn't know. I'm like, sure, you say to do it, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then there was a room where they would have these beautiful women giving facials. And she's like, you got to go have an appointment with there. I'm like, is that a medical necessity? And she <laughs> says, yes, it's good for stress. And 
anyway, I saw her for a few years and then they kept calling me like, the doctor needs to see you. I was like, what happened? Am I dying? Did you get my blood test back? They're like, no, you need, she wants you to see this doctor. I said, boy, she really pushes doctors. I said, if you had a gynecologist in the office, you'd probably want me to see them. And uh, so anyway, I stopped seeing her. And a few years later, my friend goes, hey, guess who's on the front page of the New York Post? I said, oh, she goes, your doctor. She was caught for insurance fraud. Oh, my God. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, if anybody's but, if like I went into the doctor's office thinking I'm going to get blood work done, they're like, hey, you need a facial. It's like a yeah. dream come true. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was a dream come true. Beautiful Russian women, you know, <laughs> and my pores look great. You know, my A1C was through the roof, but but I was. <laughs> that is but crazy. It, yeah, it was well, crazy. I want to back up just a second because you were diagnosed in 1985, right? right. Yeah. Okay. So what? What did they give you? What type of insulin? What was the regimen there? Wow. It was like a <laughs> regular and mixed with an ultra. Does that okay. sound right? Well, I used to do regular and NPH. There was a cloudy and clear you mixed. I think it was ultra something or other. And yeah, check your sugar all the time as much as you can with this you know machine that was like the size of a book. And yeah, I mean, I really, it was trial and error. I remember the first time I got hypoglycemic, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I had no, I, nobody told me what hypoglycemia was. I just knew that I felt like I was going to faint. Mm -hmm. and, and I ate like every Snickers bar. I was at the office and somebody's like, you don't look so good. I said, I don't feel good. And I'm shaky. And then I, I just instinctively felt like I needed to eat something. So isn't it crazy you know, how your body can fight or flight? You, knew, yeah, you totally. knew what to do. And even though yeah. you weren't trained, which is sad and so crazy in so many levels. Yeah. And especially since, let me say too, maybe I got more education because I was age eight in 1984. You were uh, what, 22, 21? 85, I was 22. Yeah. So. so, and you know, it's just like, maybe they just expect you. And with that being said too, did they tell you during the diagnosis that it was type one or did they just say blanket? Diagnosis? Yeah, they said type one. They said okay. it was type one. They said your pancreas left about an hour ago and not coming back. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't really say that, but your comedy <laughs> shtick, I mean, and so keep the good jokes coming throughout this, yeah. because I think that they're very important when we talk about this disease. So sure. the, we connected on LinkedIn and you had commented on somebody else's post and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to know this man. And so I just wanted to tell the listeners that Brian and I connected a few weeks ago just to get to know each other. And I love what he's done as a career path. And one of the reasons I highlight people is because we see... In the diabetes space, in my opinion, the athletes and these grandiose stars, which is wonderful. I'm glad that we're highlighting them because I think it tells, especially young people, you can do anything. But you took a different career path and a different choice. And you've had a very interesting career and it's shifted sure. in a number of directions. So let's talk about your advertising career. Yeah. Sadly, I'm neither a, a superstar athlete or a star. <laughs> but yeah, I started in advertising and I worked my way. I was... Basically, a, a secretary, it's called the group assistant. I was making, I think, $13,000 a year. And the joke was when people would quit, they'd say, my parents can't afford to send me here anymore. <laughs> and so then I worked my way up to become a writer. And then I was at an agency, which is now a great agency, but at the time it was very boring. I was writing jingles for My Magic Genie's Girls Toys and Juice and Cookies Baby Alive. You can Google My Magic Genie's. TV commercial, and you'll hear the theme song, and I wrote that. So uh, it's from the 1990s. So I was dying creatively. I was dying. I mean, I am feel like I'm a frustrated creative. 
So I said, let me take a stand-up comedy class and see what happens. So I took a stand-up comedy class and I was pretty good. And actually I, I was at this place that would have newcomers every Monday and then they'd see five, five new faces and they'd pass one. And then you'd go to the next round. And if you kept winning, you eventually would get a spot there. Hmm. And so I won the first round and then I'm all cocky. And then I go to the next round and they're like, you got to wait. Chris Rock needs to work out some new material for his HBO special. So you're on after Chris Rock. So Holy I did not shit. pass that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and But anyway, hmm. I won the funniest person in advertising contest, which got in the trades. And the, the bad agency I was at said, hey, we didn't know you were funny. I said, well, you never asked. And so... <laughs> They put me on a cool account, Starburst, and they put me with this cool partner, and we did a, a TV campaign, and we were working on the second round, and we decided to edit this new editing facility. And while we were editing, the computer crashed, and they said, come back in the afternoon. You're gonna, it's going to take like three hours to get everything back. So my producer went shopping, my, my buddy went to the gym, and I'm like, you got nice couches here. I'm going to take a nap on these couches. <laughs> so I fall asleep. And like an hour later, some guy is getting a chair out of the editing suite, making a lot of noise. He's like, hey, you you do these commercials for Starburst? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, you work at Gray. That place sucks. I'm like, okay. What did you do on these commercials? I said, I wrote them. You wrote these? I work at BBDO. I'll give you a job at BBDO. I said, oh, okay. So I went back to sleep. My partner comes back, my art director, and I said, oh, somebody at BBDO wants to hire us. His name is, he's, oh, my God, he's the second in command. He's the, and so we sent him a note. Dear Charlie, had a dream. Someone at BBDO wants to hire us. P.S. If it is a dream, don't don't wake us up. And so I got the job. Like that was Tuesday, and we got the job on Friday. And I was there for fourteen years. So well, let's talk about that's incredible, and I love the yeah. story there. You were in the right place at the right time in a weird yeah. circumstance, and the approach for that. But let's talk about some of the campaigns that you've worked on because I find them fascinating. They're vast, and they're vastly different. Yeah, did a lot of work for Pizza Hut, did some Snickers, worked with Tom Brady on his first commercial. I think that was 2004, maybe. And it was basically the Snickers work that's on the air now, only it was it was when you're hungry, you're not yourself. And in this commercial, Tom Brady goes into the huddle. He says, "Where the Jets will never see this coming, you know, in a million years. And then he looks up and he's gone and told the Jets to play. And going into the wrong huddle, another unfortunate side effect of hunger. And I worked on Pizza Hut for many years. Uh, the first big campaign I did at BBDO was with Spike Lee for the U.S. Navy. And yes. we went to Hawaii and shot in San Diego with the Navy SEALs for three weeks. Hmm. And that was a lot of fun. And yeah, did a lot of crazy commercials for Pizza Hut. So, and going back to the, let's just go back to the Snickers because every, you know, I, I don't know that I've seen that. If I have, I looked past it. But with that being said, the way that Tom Brady comes into the wrong huddle and stuff, anything yeah. coming back to diabetes, because if you're a brain fog, your blood sugar low, whatever, you're not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hidden. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Well, the campaign was kind of given to us like that, but it okay. is. And what's the, your worst nightmare, your greatest dream and your worst nightmare as a diabetic is working for Mars. Snicker is owned by Mars. You get free everything. So it's dangerous. Snickers, ice cream, new products, you know, so your blood. I think I have something from 2003 still in my apartment. But as a diabetic, it just kind of sucked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when I was diagnosed and I even made a video about this, the first things that came out of my mouth were when they explained to me that I couldn't have sugar. And granted, 21 days after my eighth birthday, I was like, you mean no more Snickers? 
Yeah. No more Dr. Pepper. Like my yeah. life is gone. I think that's the only yeah. time that I started to cry. It was not like wow. a, you have a whatever crazy disease. Yeah. So has that been hard to work in the industry? If that's was that a perk or just free shit everywhere? And that well, you didn't go there. That we didn't go to Mars like every week. We were there maybe you know yeah. four times a year. Or so the pizza shoots were tough because there was pizza everywhere. You know. So I mean, and for it a was person good. with diabetes, then you know, and sorry, probably the it, deep dish. Good yeah. Stuff. Oh my god, it was crazy, and so that was tough. There was a lot of lot of pizza. But other than that, I don't really think about anything else that was troublesome. Did you let the people and, know around you that you had type 1 diabetes? Yeah, the, close, the people close to me, I, I let them know. If something came up like, why aren't you having cake? You know, like, then I might say something, you know, but clashes with my diabetes. But other than that, I didn't really announce it to anyone, really, you know, unless. Well, and unless at that I, point, too, we weren't wearing gear, so you could hide it. Yeah, totally. You could hide it. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is crazy. I remember when I first was diagnosed, I heard there was my doctors told me, do not go on the insulin pump. It's like it's like the size of your head and people will shame you. (laughs) (laughs) And okay, here's okay. Here's a question for you. In looking at big pharma companies and tech companies that are in the diabetes space, as someone with your profession, you look at some of their advertising material and be like, what are you doing? Or, hey, that's really speaks to me. I really think that Dexcom does a great job with the, what is it, the, one of the Jonas brothers. Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas, yeah. he's that, Those commercials are really good. They're really informative. They're really fun. And they're not your typical pharma boring. And the other one, I just see, really, I only see the Freestyle Libre. I don't really see, you don't really see anything else. You do see in these commercials, like I hit the mute button so fast kidney disease and it's like you know please (laughs) it's so depressing and so depressing and they're i don't know they're just not great and but i don't see you know of course you don't see like commercials for insulin or anything like that i mean i don't think they can i don't know that they can i don't know money you know it's like you're gonna need it or (laughs) here are your choices insulin or death right well, and I have seen a lot of, I've seen quite a few Omnipod and I'll never forget. Yeah. I've had friends call me and be like, did you know there's a pump that you, and I was like, yes, I'm very aware. Thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> so it's just interesting what people pick up on that. And especially, yeah. 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 And I used to do some, I, when I did stand up, I did some jokes in my act about having diabetes. It sucks to have a, a disease where the first syllable is die. And, you know, I have this medical alert bracelet, bracelet. It's been strapped to my wrist, bolted to my wrist ever since I got the disease. Actually, one time it fell off and I thought I was cured. (laughs) I was going to ask if you had some jokes, so keep them coming. Yeah. And and people would ask when you inject, does it ever bleed? I say only when I'm wearing white. So. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so true. It's always about, it's going to ruin something. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So one of the questions that I ask every guest now too, uh, over the past couple of years is, and I think this is an easy answer since where you live, but do you have access to fresh fruits and vegetables within a two-mile radius, walking distance? Oh, like one block, you know, yeah. there's a guy who sells fruit and vegetables, and there's a- There's a super- guy. There's a guy. Yeah, there's a, a guy. <laughs> this guy. There's, there's two supermarkets within, you know, 500 feet of each other, and there's a Whole Foods. It's a 15-minute walk, so- Oh, that's great. Being in the city, I was just checking. I average walking six miles a day living well, in the city. Well, incredible. Yeah, it's it's funny when I 
go visit my family in New Jersey. I walk like 50 feet. It's like <laughs> to the bathroom, into the kitchen, into the couch. <laughs> but with the dog, I walk every morning. I walk one mile into the park and then a mile back and a mile at night and a mile back. And then I've started going to this dog park, which is a half an hour walk from here, which is a mile and a half. And so that's, you know, it's six miles a day. Easy. That's great. Yeah. Sometimes I walk 10, 11 miles. Then, then I feel it. The next day I'm pretty tired. What's your dog's name? Darla. Okay. So does Darla, is she? She. Like, is she a diabetes alert dog? No, only when I go to fancy restaurants. <laughs> no, she's not. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. She's trying to steal the, if my sugar's low, she's trying to steal the, the Snickers bar out of my hand. And, you know, she, she would let me die before uh, she's not. I don't, I mean, I have the pump, I have the, you know, this, the Dexcom six and then the tech check my sugar if I need to, if it goes down or something, but no, she doesn't know anything. She's, she's crazy. That's She's funny. So, uh, not yet two years old. Been to the emergency room once because she, I didn't know what, I thought she was having a stroke. Turns out she ate weed off the street. <laughs> I brought her in. I'm like crying. She's uh, thinking my dog is dying. And they're like, hey, here's your dog. She's high as a kite. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? Like, let her sleep and make her White Castle in the morning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's sad that, I mean, I've known other people whose dogs have done that same thing. They got into edibles or whatever, and they're just like, let her write it out. And it's like yeah, the it's eyes totally. are crossed and some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so what else? Okay, so what insulin regimen, what are you What are you doing nowadays? I'm you on the, the Dexcom, but. Dexcom and I have the T-Slim. So T-Slim, just, okay. you know, put in the carbohydrates and hope for the best. I mean, it's. I feel like it's a little all new because I just got that maybe It'll be two years in August, and I got the dog a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. so I've been having problems with low in the morning. Okay. Like, if I wake up, if I wake up and my sugar's 120, which is great, forget it. I have to drink orange Holy juice yeah. because the dog is so, she's only 45 pounds, but she's so strong and, and crazy. No, I mean, literally crazy. Like, <laughs> I can't make it through one day without feeling like my arm is going to be dislocated. <laughs> from the sh- my shoulder and she's escaped from more harnesses than David Blaine. And he's just a crazy dog. And so it's just constantly, I go, there's a bodega and if I say use it, it's literally you walk in and there's a guy like this far away from you. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk in, he hands me two bottles of Gatorade. I give him five bucks and that's it. He knows because I, I can't go to the park without having some Gatorade on me. Otherwise, you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask. If you packed with that type of extra level of exercise, even though it's a walk and we don't think about that technically as exercise, but it is your body. Yeah. You're yeah. burning calories and all the things. So, well, the, the last time I went to the doctor, which was not about three or four weeks ago. And she was like, I said, I, I disconnect my pump because she goes, yeah. no, leave it in. You'll be fine. And I want to say walk in my shoes when you know your sugar is it's the number is like 80 and the two arrows going down yeah. you know and then i say i drink a bottle again she oh you only need four ounces <laughs> you know you try drinking four ounces you're like blah, 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 you know right really well, hard. so you still feel your lows oh yeah 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 that's good i mean you as you get older no i do and but it's there's a lot of people who are what is it hypo unaware yeah. yes i've read about it and and sometimes I'm not sure. My first warning sign is my heart skips a beat. Yep. That's the first thing that goes. And then I go, then I say, I have to check my sugar. 
Yeah. So it's almost like an kind of a beginning of an anxiety attack. Yes. Like it's exactly. uh, and you know, I know I didn't realize that until later in life that those times where I before the CGNs, just the moments in my life to where I didn't feel well because of X or I was super intense because of X. And now well, I completely contribute it to blood sugar. So I'm so glad for the CGMs because it really has made a difference. And um, when I first yeah. got diagnosed, the, the doctor who posted $1 million bail and then fled to Greece, she, <laughs> I had to go to see her because I was afraid to take subways. I was getting panic attack on oh. subways and thinking uh, my sugar was low and it would just get worse. And I'd have to like start hyperventilating. And she said, just check your sugar right before you get on the subway. Yeah. See what it is, you know? And it helped. So, okay, let's talk about your your comedy life. I mean, a that's I don't even know what the words are. There's a lot of stress and pressure going into that. So let's talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, okay, so when I've talked to a lot of people that perform on stage, the anxiety going into that. So what do you like yes. to keep your blood sugar at, or you yeah, have you crashed on stage, or what do you do? No, I never crashed, and I never did more than well. One time I hosted a show, and I did it about an hour. But most of the time, I just did like, you know, five to 10 minutes. So I never really crashed. And I think the stress would keep my sugar high. Yeah. And, but when I was doing stand up, I haven't done, I did stand up. Well, actually, I came out of retirement like five years ago and I, I won the funniest person in advertising contest again. And <laughs> that was very hard. But I don't even think I had the Dexcom on then. So you just check your sugar. And yeah. usually the stress would keep your sugar high. Mm -hmm. And when you do comedy, you feel like you're going to throw up, pee your pants, poop your pants. You can't eat. You can't. And then as soon as you tell the first joke, everything goes away. It's like, you know, it's amazing. And and then when it's over, you just can't wait to do it again. You're hmm. it's like a, it's literally like a drug. Well, do you, I mean, this is a maybe a ridiculous question, but you have to memorize everything. Yeah. One of the things that helped me was I read a, a guy who used to do interviews. I think it was Brian Gumble, And he said, he never got nervous because he knew his material like the back of his hand. Okay. So I would sit in front of a mirror with Mr. Microphone and do my act until it was just like a repetitive. And you'd have to teach yourself to slow down because you were just yeah. reading as opposed to performing. So that's the key. It's just, an, yeah, you got to memorize everything. But I, one of the things I actually found a fan letter from, and that was the only fan letter I ever got. And it was, said how, your uh, one letter yeah my one letter how my each joke went into the next one seamlessly and part of it was because i'm a writer but also because you remember the last phrase or word that would propel you to remember what the next joke is you know right. so the so like cues yeah okay yeah, totally yeah oh, that's interesting okay so with your comedy stick or whatever we're calling it what percentage do you pull up diabetes stuff? Just a little bit. If I think of a funny joke, I would use it, but I didn't harp on it. I would do probably like a minute of it. You know, probably I think those three jokes I told you was the extent of my <laughs> diabetes. You know, if you have any jokes for me, I'm glad to steal them. So <laughs> I am so <laughs> bad about jokes. Like I have to write them down. I uh -huh. have to. I mean, like I can't remember it saved my life. With that being you know. said. I'm throwing a pitch out there to like the ADA and JDRS. You yeah. should be on the circuit. You should be doing a comedy uh, skit for everybody. That's we, true. We all need a lot of, we need, we need yeah. some laughs. I did a lot of stuff about advertising in my act. 
you know, my name is Brian Flynn, and but a lot of the a lot of the clients you work for are from the South, and you okay. realize these Southern clients don't like New York. They don't like working with New Yorkers, but they let's face it, they have to work here because that's where the best agencies are. But sometimes right. you'll be showing them work, and you know what they're thinking. Brian <laughs> Flynn, Jew. <laughs> well, when you were talking about New York City, all I could think about is the Pace Picante get a rope. You know, like that commercial, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's hilarious. Let's talk about what you're doing now, because you just started working with the more, you know. Yeah, well, that's that. Can we do one about diabetes? I think that that's a pitch right there. I wish they no. I think the the ones I did were for it's funny because, well, I get knocked because people won't hire me because they say you're too funny. And I say, please talk to my friends. They'll be happy to tell you that I'm not. (laughs) And. So for the more you know for NBC, I had to work for free, show them work, and then they say, "Oh, we like you," and here now we're going to pay you, which was almost free. And but the the first subject was hunger in America, and that's not funny. Yeah. But I think I had to I had to come up with the idea of try to make it positive, which was if we don't waste food, yeah, or if we donate to food banks and less people go to bed yeah, hungry. Yeah. So the first spot was somebody from law and order and you hear the law and order, you know, yeah. and they're pulling a bagel, an uneaten bagel out of a garbage. Like it's a piece of evidence. And then they say food waste. That's the real crime. You know, if you learn to cook less or donate extra food to a food bank, fewer people will go hungry in the U S so, and then they, but usually when you do freelance, they include you in on the process. Oh, yeah. And I just happened to email them and said, What's the progress? When are you guys going to be shooting? And they're like, we're on set now. We're shooting one of your spots. I'm like, oh, that's oh, so cool. I'm not going. So they shot something with Stephanie Rule from MSNBC. And that was for literacy, like uh, reading to your kids. I think the spot is there's not one book that can tell you how to raise your kids. But but if you read to your kids 10 pages a night or one book a day or whatever it is, you can give them a head start in life. So no, that's that a good message for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so the, oh, go ahead. No, there's going to be more coming up. They're going to, I'm going to have, be writing more on the end of December. So, okay, two last things I want to talk about. So, when we were talking about pizza and working with the Mars com- company and things like that, like I have chosen a certain diet just because it makes me feel my best. And mm-hmm. diabetes or not, this is what I've chosen. Do you eat every day? Th- I mean, what what is your regular regimen? And not to, sh- I mean, if you eat tons of chips, I don't I, care. I'm just curious. I, live by myself and I have a very small kitchen and I try to cook like I just made like a chicken and a sausage dish with Italian dish because I'm actually more Italian 50% Italian and quarter Irish and so I try to make a lot of something and then I eat it for a week or two I'm single I mean I get it I live by myself and when you prepare you gotta if you're gonna prepare for a party of one you either have to Mm -hmm. eat it for days or freeze it yes so I totally understand that well, I try to have like a fruit smoothie, like a oat milk smoothie yeah. with a lot of fruits and sometimes vegetables to pack it all in. Yeah. So, but I don't, I, I tend to, you know, I live in New York, so there's so much around, you know? Yeah. So. Do you eat the bagel? Probably eat like five bagels a year. And I used to work by this place, Essa Bagel, and the bagel's the size of your head. And uh, now, yeah, I love bagels. And I, for the first time in my life, I had bagels with locks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, 
Let me say that it's like I do low carb and I cut out bread a long time ago, but I reintroduced and I'm gluten free by choice. Oh, wow. Celiac. And so when I discovered that they had everything bagels that were gluten free, I was like, hell, I'm eating <laughs> the carbs. And it's like, yeah. And the traditional bagel for the people that are listening that don't have diabetes, like could have 60 to 80 grams of oh, carbs. And okay. I think about that every 12 grams of carbs is a piece of white bread. So am I wow. going to sit and have this one piece of this one bagel? It's going to be half a loaf of bread. Worth it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, do you, yeah. do you rationalize things like that as well when it comes to diabetes. Yeah, I mean First of all, I, I don't want to eat bad bagels and there's too many bad bagel places near <laughs> me. And the good bagel places are too far. So now they rerouted the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So 10 years ago. So now it goes right by my balcony. I, you have to climb out the window. Everyone's invited, by the way. You can come over Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I get bagels from Essa Bagel. And that's when I have one bagel. That's your, that's your, oh that's my your God. So good. Yeah. But, and good God. I get it on that. Okay. So let's talk about. What's going on in the future for you and all of your work? Are you looking for work? What What do we got yes, going on Yes, I'm looking for work. Um, two years ago. But you also uh, wrote something. Yes, I wrote a movie okay. with this actor from The Blacklist and Justice League, Harry Lennox. He's on the TV show The Blacklist, and he's in the Justice League movie. Did you, There was a Justice League. The, the director remade the one of the Justice League movies. It was four and a half hours, and it was on HBO Max. And somebody asked if I saw it. I said, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is I do have HBO Max. The bad news is I don't have four and a half hours. So, (laughs) (laughs) but Harry played a, it's going to be a superhero in the future if they they ever do it again. And so I became friends with him and he asked me to write a movie for him. He said, can you write a movie for me? I said, no. And I said, I write TV commercials of 30 seconds. And he said, it needs to be longer than that. But I have a friend of mine who's very funny. He was the funniest stand-up comedian I ever worked with. Actually, Zach Galifianakis. We used to perform with Zach a lot when he was younger. And Zach used to say, John, John Mooney is my writing partner. You're funnier than I am. I just have better hair. And so John and I wrote it. It took us about a little less than two months. And Harry loved it. And he got this guy, Federico Castelluccio, who played Furio. Did you mm-hmm. watch The Sopranos? Furio on The Sopranos? I, yeah. He was like the enforcer. So actually, we did the first call with Furio, with Federico. One of the producers was on and he said, I have some ideas. I want to I think you should change the script. And Federico said, you don't change a word. The script is perfect. Now, I'm going to argue with Furio, you know. You can't. (laughs) You can't. You'd be outed. I mean, who knows what could happen to you. And so that's, you know, it's taking forever. It's going to be one of those stories. I'm wondering if I'm going to be in the memoriam on the, the year we win the Oscar. So we're just going to come first. And then John and I started, we realized we're funny and we like to write together. So we had some several ideas for sitcoms, which we're trying to sell. And we got one in front of Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was probably the weakest of the three ideas. So he passed. We had a Zoom with yeah. Bill. It was very nice. And the other, the other one we're very high on. And we did a Zoom table read and everyone was great. But it's tough. You can't get in front of people. It's hard. How do you get in front of people? So it's difficult word on the street. And okay, here's really my last question with this is when you see, I mean, there has been a couple of movies and things that have come out in the past, let's just say three years that are about person living with type one diabetes. We've got purple heart. We've got a lot of documentary films, which I promote. What do you think about I mean, I would like to see a TV series. I'm pitching this to you and to the world. Uh Let's actually walk a day in the life of people with type one diabetes. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was mentioning maybe to you about this movie in the 90s where 
this alien woman came to Earth. She was this beautiful alien. She made herself beautiful. And her purpose was to procreate. And so she wanted to find the perfect man to have children with. And she picked this guy up and she found out he was a diabetic and she killed him. <laughs> what a kick in the teeth, right? Yeah. I mean, you're already down. My God. Yes, exactly. Well, and so, you see the people uh, like that have, or, uh, like they're showing their insulin pump and that, they're, and they're having what looks like almost damn near a seizure. And they're like, oh, she needs more insulin. I'm like, no. She yeah. No. I think I never saw Godfather 3 or I only saw parts of it, but I think Al Pacino was a diabetic in that. And somebody has to do some research they, on that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I guarantee he was not a type one. No, I think he was a type one. Really? Well, uh, he was having, they were telling me about a low blood sugar scene where he was like eating cake, like, you know, like okay, ridiculous. So. so we'll come up with a name for this series that we're going to create yeah. because I have a lot of people that would give some input and I would love to see, maybe not on mainstream, but just still like, and I don't want to say it has to be a comedy, but it could be real. Uh, this, and I don't want it to be reality either, but uh-huh. I think there's a lot of misinformation and it's unfortunate how we are being represented sometimes in the public. Yes. Yes, that's true. Well, let me try to cook something up with John. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep you posted. I don't have anything okay. to add yeah, and I'm with the exception for... of just inter- people that could contribute. And I'm also looking for advertising, writing jobs too. And I think I sent you links to my yeah, web. which will be included and, in the show notes for yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah, you've had what... a really interesting career. And that's, like I said, the reason why I wanted to Thanks. highlight you on the podcast, because we are often told that when we're diagnosed, especially at an early age, you can be limited as to what you can do. And you've lived the life, right? Yeah. Maybe just I'm stupid. and Like I just never <laughs> thought about it. Like what else? What's the alternative? You know, so. I don't think that's stupid. I think it's more of the dreamer mentality is no yeah. one can tell me any different. And I mean, I'm, what a little I want. Bit, I'm a half glass full kind of guy. So I always try to be optimistic about things. So, well, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Brian, for being on the show. All right. Thank you, Amber. Appreciate having me. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I-